Welcome to Bets Boys, a film podcast, an amateur film study podcast for the average Joe, the buffest buffs, and the cringiest binges. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my brother, professional Hollywood videographer, Corey, with a story. And if you have been waiting for hot dudes doing hot shit, well, you've made it. Welcome to Best Boys. We finally arrived. Um, so yeah, this is the, an episode that Corey's probably marked on his calendar. Well, I guess he didn't know it was coming, but he would have had he known. So we would be dedicating another episode to the man, the myth, the Zack Snide. And not only that, we're giving him a true try, a true college try this time. I think the last movie we did of his was the uh, underwhelming Army of the Dead. Um, and oh, that's that's it. Just like, ended up being a roast fest. And I think we actually did a stream. I don't know what it's out there on the internet somewhere. I'm sure we did do a stream of uh, a reaction to the Snyder Cut, which was. A roast fest for the at least on my half, yeah, and uh, but other than that, you know, it's kind of he's just like this mythical figure that comes up uh, uh, through various episodes, and then we you know get into many many arguments about him. But to be honest, to be honest, my uh, personal experience with him, as much as I end up being the antagonist of this, is he used to be one of my favorite directors. And he used to be like, uh, you know, he was very up and coming. Like, I think about these two movies we picked 300 and then into Watchmen. I'm like, this guy is like, look out. Like, for after 300, I'm like, whatever this guy does next, I am going to 100% see it. And Watchmen is what he did next. And I was so excited about it. And I and I remember going to see it and being un, I was like upset that it wasn't doing well. Like I really wanted it to just be good and do well. And I really loved the movie then. And uh, it's uh, it's really interesting. I don't know. Like uh, the, him, he's up there with probably like Kevin Smith as somebody that, which is ironic, grouping these two together, but that I really fucking loved and kind of introduced me to. Um, you know, creative things with Kevin Smith. It's more dialogue stuff. And, uh, um, with Zack Snyder is, you know, visual stylized action, kind of in a, an extension of the Wachowskis an extension of the like sin city vibe, uh, which is something I wanted to bring up when we talk about these films, because I don't think you can talk about them without sin city. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, so I love this guy. I was a huge fan. I would tell people, follow, we, check out the next Zack Snyder movie. Check out this guy, Zack Snyder. He makes comic book movies, but they're good. But they're you know interesting. They have style. They're action, but they're action with style. And I was very much into that. And that's where we're going to set things up here. Um, because things have changed since this time. Since 2009, so much has changed for me. Um, and if we look, you know, we want to get into his filmography, I'm sure it's changed for him as well. But so let me pass it over to you about your, your foundations with the snide as he's become, as he's become to be known on this podcast. 
Yeah, there will be so many snide remarks on this episode. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. So like we're we're three years apart for those who don't know. So this came out when I was in about middle school. But this uh, and, and as we've talked about several times in the podcast, our dad being like a super macho kind of guy like this film, this movie was on at the house all the time at football season time. I remember like they had uh, um, I feel like somebody had like a cardboard cutout of Leonidas or something. Everybody was doing the stomp. It was such a, uh, like screaming, this is Sparta. It was such a fucking like, um, like a, uh, uh, at least in our world being in sports and stuff, like a big, like cultural moment. And, uh, and it just, it, it was so exciting. And then whenever I saw the preview for the first time for, uh, uh, Watchmen, I had no idea what it was, but I was think I was piggybacking off of your hype of it. And uh, uh, because it just seemed like so crazy. And then when we actually finally saw it, uh, I at least was just I clung on to the whole Rorschach aspect of it because it was just he was just so at the time for me, just such a badass motherfucker. Uh, he just doesn't care about anything other than like his definition of justice. Um, yeah, we're going to and- really dig into the, uh, the character of Rorschach um, because He's not that. He's kind of not that no. now today. Um, no. <laughs> um, but but he's still cool to me. It's still cool to me, damn it. Um, and, we'll, and we're going to get into that because this stuff is, I think, worth digging. Like, that's why I was ex- part of me was excited to do this because of all the f- films, I don't want to talk about DC shit because I'm, one, I think that that's his weakest stuff. And yeah. uh, I think that this, these two is like where his style really, you know, fully matured into something, especially from 300 to Watchmen, you kind of see mm-hmm. um, some maturity and not just in the, you know, the visual aspect and the action style, but uh, in the content as well um, and mm-hmm. the complexity of the narrative and whatever. Um, uh, yeah. So we're going to get into that. But before we get farther, I wanted to also bring up Dawn of the Dead. Because that was my first true introduction to him. Oh I just didn't yeah, know, I completely forgot. I just I didn't know forgot. that he did it at the time. But people really liked that movie when it came out. Um, it was so good. I don't think it's. I don't think it's aged as well. But it did bring on the pheno- the kind of phenomenon of running zombies. Well, you know what? It didn't because Twenty Eight Days Later did it first. Um, but it did bring it to like the, of the dead universe and it kind of modernized that story. Um, and I think it's good. It's just, I don't think it's nearly as good as the original, um, or anything like that. Uh, but I think it was a good jumping off point with a really, you know, nice pulpy hit entertaining. That was very popular. Um, and he definitely matures in his content from there. Um, uh, but let's do it. Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say to finish up, uh, I became, as the years gone on, I became more and more of a Zack Snyder apologist, mostly because I I love his visual for most stuff. And I love that visual aesthetic on the majority of his films. But uh, but yeah, this is there's definitely a pattern of uh, starting really strong and then it's just gone downhill since there. But we'll get into that on a, if we ever hit episode 100. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, we're gonna. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the DC stuff because, well, I think it is there's stuff worth talking about. I think it is way less interesting and important. Um, than these, then I think this is like his, these two films are like his 
artistic contribution, I feel like. Mm. Um, and I really, um, I don't know. There's just something about them that that holds up and is interesting to still see and talk about. I think they're our strongest films by far. Um, and I think that like if somebody talks shit on him, it's like he sucks, he sucks, he never did anything. Um, I would want to talk about these two films like in a little more of a critical fashion. So I don't know if you want to start with 300. Um, let, let's hear how you feel about 300. The last time I had watched this, I would say it was probably college, probably. So like seven, eight years ago. Um, but man, does it age well? Like, I, it is such a breeze of a watch. Just, I always thought this was a movie that you could just throw on and it would just go because the, like the pacing of the action is just, it's like, uh, it's kind of like a, a lot better version of that movie Shoot 'em Up where it's just the story is there and the setup is there. And then it's just, you're just going from sequence to sequence to sequence. Uh, or like you'll have time skip things happen and it just it just goes. Um, but I was really curious how all the blue screen stuff would hold up watching it in 4K now. Because uh, the whole movie is just like small set and then just blue screen everything else in the background. But, uh, but yeah, kinda, man, it, it's kind of like um, Star Wars prequels, I feel like is always what yeah, I think of yeah. as the early, one an early example. Or like, um, I don't know if you remember Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. and There was like around that era of, of movies that were like mostly blue screened. We got to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, uh, but it holds up. The one that was so striking to me uh was whenever the uh they first get to the hot gates and the storm hits and the persian ships and it's like that almost black and white but all the rain is coming down and you just see all this high detail like it's so sharp um like the ships and everything and yeah it's clearly cgi but it just it fits the aesthetic of the whole thing and just and uh and so much of that uh, outside of it though is just so complimentary to like the action and stuff where you're just like you have all these practical uh, shield, uh, swords and spears and everything, but then you just add that little CGI spear tip going through an arm or something. But it looks so like smooth and believable with like the the slow mo ramp ups and everything. And just the whole the whole cinematography on this is like a uh, it started the whole like I feel like it really got in that hole in the in the mid two thousands the the ramp up of like slow mo to fast back and forth uh, so much because you have that oneer in the first big battle of the movie. Uh, where you're just following Leonidas, and it's just uh, they they did this awesome like three or four camera setup where they had all the cameras real tight to each other but different focal lengths, and so it's just zooming in and out while also slowing down uh, and speeding back up, and it created this like awesome wonder uh, that's almost seamless. There's a little bit of jank in there where you can see where there's like a frame skip or something, but like at the time, like no one would have noticed, and still it's really like hard to decipher or whatever. Um, but it's just aged so well. The the weakest thing, honestly, was in the beginning when he's going to uh, climb the mountain for uh, to go talk to the Oracle. That was the, one of the few things I was like, this just feels really like a set. Uh, the weakest things visually, you mean? Visually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, and it's specifically just the the climbing up the the step stuff. But um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you can. I, I honestly that didn't bother me that much because how stylized this film is. Um, like it feels. It feel, I don't know. There's something about it that gives it like I think because knowing that it's adapted so closely to the comic book, um, but like there are some like set looking things, but it just works. 
um, in the beginning. On a, like visually, I really don't have any problems. There are a couple moments in both of these films where you notice CG that's like, man, it doesn't look as good as it would look today. But it doesn't like take you out of the film. Like you think it's just handling the purpose. There's a couple times I think is used for no reason in, in this the later film we're gonna talk about. But in this one, I didn't really notice anything too bad. Uh, visually or anything like that. Oh, the cinematography is, I think, one of the strongest points of this film. Um, and then when you read about it, he really did set up the shots to be exactly like frames in the comic book. I um, appreciate it so much too, because it's just like uh, it's you always every especially uh, or sorry when you have things like being adapted from other mediums being like that have visuals already, like video games come to mind and then they always change so much of what the source material is to make, to adapt it to what they think would be better or whatever. And like having this and then watch them as well, where you have like the breakdown where they just went frame by framing, you're getting exactly what uh, you would want from an adaptation, like a, a, vi- a movie version of that comic. And I, I just, I love that that whole concept of it. It's worth noting that he didn't, it's not like he was the first to do this. Sin City famously did it a few years earlier, which is why I wanted to bring that up. Um, also a Frank Miller comic. So I think that was kind of like the through line because Frank Miller learned a lot about filmmaking and hands-on, uh, goes hands-on in both of these films uh, a bit, um, which is enough that, enough so that it made it feel like he could make a movie um, with the spirit, which I believe is around this time. I don't have the year on the top of my head. God, I love that movie. Um, but uh, so like the, the, I think that the the style kind of comes is kind of born out of Sin City, and I don't know if you would have this if that didn't come first. And there's a lot of you know big names involved in the creation of that. Um, that's a film that I'm really excited to come back to. I haven't watched Sin City in probably a decade, maybe like eight years, something like that. And uh, I'm really interested to see how that is aged, com- especially compared to these two films that are kind of like a, there's kind of like this post Sin City era of comic book movies before we mm. get to the MCU and stuff like that. Like R-rated comic book movies. Yeah, edgier, um, not necessarily have anything to do with superheroes, just like adop- adapted comic book stories. So you have this, you have yeah. Watchmen, you have Sin mm. City, you have The Spirit. Um, I'm, there's a few more around that time. It kind of reminds me of the early 90s. Um, when they had the hit of Batman, and instead of making more superhero movies, they did Dick Tracy, they did Roger Rabbit, they did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they did you know they did a bunch of comic book movies that weren't superheroes, yeah. um, and and that's interesting because this is did was much more successful at the box office uh, this era. Um, but I think it's important. It's important. Uh, like it, it kind of gets memed on a lot because there are some things about the style that's not aged well, like the noir monologues that are very over the top um, and, and whatnot. Um, but with this film in particular, I think one of the biggest, uh, uh, I think that the, the visuals is what it really has going for it. And the comic book itself is really good um, and is, is really amazing. And if you stick close to that visually, you can't really, you know, fuck up. Um, the one thing visually though, that I think that has not maybe aged well is the coloring. What did you, what do you think about the coloring? Interesting. I, uh, the only thing that uh, took me not by surprise or whatever, but like that I noticed that I didn't like about it was I didn't notice how much like a heavy, intense film grain was 
on the film as much, which makes the for me at least like certain things feel like over uh overblown or or uh or stuff like that. But I, I love the 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 color aesthetic of it, especially all the gold, amber, like beige stuff uh in the Maybe I, yeah, I don't like it in the contrast, I don't like it in the DC movies. It's is it's better here because it's mm-hmm. like going for something. Uh, I feel like in the DC movies, it's very arbitrary to be so washed out. Um, I understand he has a reason why, but it just seems to me like it's not necessary. Whereas this, um, I understand it. It's trying to be like a. It's a part of like it feeling old, like this old story being told, like uh, it's yeah, a, a yeah. story of antiquity. And also like the, the coloring of the comic has a lot of Browns. Um, mm. and, uh, that was something I tried to look into this time around is I never read the comic, but I, um, uh, I watched some videos and stuff and looked at art and the panels and cause I was curious about a couple things that I'm going to bring up soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really, really done. Wow. Like, uh, one to one, and just treating uh, comic books like uh, storyboards, and that's the where this is, and then the action, like, because uh, I think that that's the other thing about the comic uh, th- aspect is that you it kind of uh, makes sense why you'd want to do the start and stop thing because you're stopping on a frame. You're stopping yeah. on an action frame and then you're seeing the follow through or even not even if you're stopping, you're just very, very slow motion and it gives you a kind of moving frame. Um, yeah. And I think that that is such a cool technique. And uh, as much as it gets overdone, I think in Zach's later stuff or maybe Mimi, um, this is it at the height of its powers. Um, it's definitely a post matrix world also with the way that the slow-mo is used. Um then I think it's cool. Like I don't, I, I don't think it's cheesy yeah. or anything like that. Especially in these two films, like it works best. Um, yeah, I say especially in this one. But it, they, he, Zack Snyder, will have come to abuse, use and abuse slow mo in later films. Uh, uh, yeah, half like, of the ha- like two hours of the Snyder cut is slow mo. Uh, um, but it, like here, it's like it all feels like it's it, 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 it feels weighty. If that makes sense, like it makes everything so much feel like big and momentous, and like it's uh, so much of a bigger deal. Um, when you're just like you're then, in a battle and you're watching so much, of the, you're really noticing every little bit of the action because it's all happening. You know, you're getting pauses to like, oh shit, that's happening over there. Oh shit, that's happening over there. This guy's about to die in the background. Oh, I recognize him maybe. Um, do I, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that stuff's all great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I'm ready to talk about some critiques if we're ready for ready uh, to, yeah. if your, if your body is ready to hear it. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, get, I was going to talk about cast, but, uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll come back to that. It, the cast is the cast. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, but, uh, the movie itself, I think is weak in the first third or like in that first 45 minutes that you're waiting for that first battle to happen is Mm -hmm. slow and not great. Um, I remember thinking this the first time I saw it, like I was just waiting for the shit to go down and I just ended up checking out of the scenes with Lanahiti and the, the Oracle scene and stuff Mm. like I remember that, and like this time around, I uh, I forgot about it. And then as I was watching, I'm like, oh yeah, all this shit has. There is shit that happens between this is Sparta and the battle, and it's more than just like ten minutes of preparing for battle. Um, <laughs> and I would say yeah. I, that is probably the weakest part of the film. 
easily. Um, I I get that for sure. Uh, but you have to set like, it up. You have to set yes, it up. Yes, that's, that's what but, I, was I mean. Say. Obviously, that's you it. have to set it up. But I think that it does. It's not. I don't know. It's not great in in that section. I think uh, I started to check out the the whole or the Oracle thing. Um, scene is kind of wonky a little bit. Um, but really, my I don't really have like grand issues with the film as a whole. But the things that have not aged well the most are some of the like, well, like the social aspects. Um, this is not film is not aged well socially. If if you catch my drift. Um, in terms of the, like the, all the Spartans are portrayed by white people. Like, and we, if you know about Greeks and people from the Mediterranean, they do not look like British people. They look different from British people, they look closer to Turkish people than they do British people. Um, which is okay, whatever. But then everyone that you, the whole, everyone you're fighting against is not white, is brown, black, uh, yeah. et cetera. And whatever, like you're trying, you know, Persia is, uh, you know, uh, and like, it's such a huge, it's trying to say that Persia is such a huge empire that it's got, you know, Asians and Africans and Arabs and Indians. And it's just like a mixture of a million cultures. And, but it, but it portrays this culture as, uh, mystical, which is okay, I guess, but it gets tropey, uh, homosexual, uh, or mo- more open to homosexuality, at least. Um, monstrous, very monstrous. Um, into like straight up body modification, like turning you know your arms into axes and and whatnot. Um, so I'm bringing this up because I recently saw a video that kind of wanted, made me interested to talk about this movie uh, by a YouTuber called Big Joel, and he was talking about this film about how. 300 or 300 uh is uh whether on purpose or not kind of an endorsement of fascism because it is glorifying the society you know the opening scene you're throwing a baby you're like oh if this baby has any defects we're throwing it off the cliff um and then like we are um and then like just aspects of the of the culture of the Spartan culture and um, there's like a, there's the one line about, well, the bo- the Athenian boy lovers, the, they, if they're going to do it, then we're going to do it. And I, I first thought well, that that line meant gay. Like if those, if there's gay dudes in Athen uh, in Athens are, are surrender, are not going to surrender, then we can't either. But then the brought up that it's probably related say, yeah. to, uh, pedestry. Uh, or pederasty, uh, which is to do with you know underage boys, but then there's a couple. There was a, like a line with My- Michael Fassbender and the other young, the young Antonis or whatever, the young boy, the young boy in the uh, crew. That yeah, he's the, the, he's the captain's son. He gets yeah. There's jump. like a line about someone getting fucked in the ass uh, when they're working on the wall, and I didn't quite understand what they meant by it. But it was just like weird. It was like a little weird. Um, me and Riss talked about the boy lover line for a while. And like, once we figured out that it meant and just like, it's a little bit messy. And, um, and then like the, honestly, the, the thing that made us talk about this the most is that 300 has come to be, uh, used as a propaganda thing from people in the far right. 
um, that are pro these kinds of things, you know, mm. where ethnic cleanse, ethnic purity and, and, uh, um, you know, genetic, genetic purity and, uh, militarism mm. and whatnot. Um, in like this film is explicitly not a satire. Uh, like there is nothing that is just like this is a like, we're not saying the Spartans are cool. Like they are saying the Spartans are cool, um, and mm. badass, and they are badass. But it's like the it doesn't really present it with any nuance. It's just like these are the good guys. This is how they live. These are the bad guys. They're monsters and gay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember the other gay thing. Cause I'm like I'm my argument is not. There's something missing here, and it's the scene where the disfigured guy, uh, or the the guy, the you know the yeah disfigured guy, yeah. he yeah. goes he goes to sell out uh, Leonidas, and there's like orgies happening, and there's just like you know two women kissing, and uh, and there's like a bunch of women kissing, and they all have like scars and stuff, and it's just like these are the the weird perversions of the of the Far East or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, especially coupling it with like monster, like disfigurement or whatever. I will, uh, I'm going to pass it back to you cause I've been talking for a while, but the, the, actually I should just pass it back to you now, but there is one scene that actually goes the other way. Um, is, uh, when, uh, uh, what's his name? Eli, Eli, Elithis or something like that. Ephialtes. When Ephialtes, the deformed guy, he uh, asked to serve in the army, and and uh, Leonidas is like, "We'd love to have you help us. I'd love if you could, you know, fight with us. That sounds dope. But you have to be able to raise your shield to do this technique we're doing." And he's like, "Oh, you can't. Well, you can still help us in these other ways. It's no big deal." Mm-hmm. We're good, dog. And then the guy's like, "Fuck this! I'm out of here." Like Leonidas was cool yeah, about well, he, that. He was very. He just said, "Like I cannot use you uh, as a soldier." But and then he walked like. But I appreciate. It. Like he was like, very appreciative. Like, I appreciate, but and, yeah, yeah, and very nice. And he says, "Mother, father, you lied." <laughs> and he throws his shield off the cliff. Uh, yeah, so it's not like it's it's just messy. That's what I guess I'm getting at. As I'm not trying to say because I'm we're gonna talk about Zach politically in a second, but I don't think that he's meaning to do anything. I think that Zach is somebody that likes cool stuff and yeah. just wants to present cool stuff. And I think sometimes he doesn't think farther farther past on some of these things and it ends up mm-hmm. maybe being a little tonally messy or thematically a little bit messy. Watchmen is much better, and we're going to talk about that. But yeah, let me pass it back to you um, because I gave you a lot of things to respond to. As I say, yeah, so a lot of stuff is interesting because, especially because it's it's around the whole juxtaposition of uh, free men uh, fighting enslavement is like the whole like big story. Yeah, thing. that is and true. Like your soldiers are slaves. Yeah, like Leonidas like says all the time this or keeps referencing like free men fought this day. people will know free men stood up to XYZ and and all that stuff. And so it's like I never noticed and really thought about the whole it's 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 all it's every color against white uh in this movie, which it is, and I uh and I didn't really notice it cuz I think I'm just I'm I'm like Zack Snyder just like it's his cool shit. And so I uh I throw that to the wayside, but uh, these are the things yeah, you gotta do that, now. You can't do yeah. that anymore. In, in um, two thousand and five, six, you could do that. 
We're just yeah. past that. That's all I'm trying to point out. Oh no, for sure, for sure. And it's very it does it does add a new context to it. But the uh, uh, but yeah, I knew about the like uh, uh, that being a thing in like in all like greater Greece, Athens thing about just like uh, the boy loving thing. I knew that that was that already just from uh, studying Greek mythology and and and. Oh, I, I just I forgot but, it was a thing. I think I just immediately was worried about it being yeah, a, a yeah. gay joke and and. So, uh, but then yeah i forgot yeah yeah so i that didn't really and that never like i never really had any thoughts about that but what when when it's uh when the deformed guy sells it out which i i i didn't even know he had a name to be honest fialzies uh, they say like, it several times it's all good uh, they just i remember it's like in my brain and i knew it started with yeah me. the uh um but when he sells the stuff out i just took that as like like not so much a comment of like their like them having like homosexuality being it with like the girl kids and stuff being like a bad thing that they're like fighting against, but just as a show of over excess and gluttony for, but uh, I think that's, that's all messy. Offered and stuff. I think that's why it's messy is like, like it, lumping or at least portraying that as an aspect of it. Like I get what you get, what you're saying. It's trying to be like the Conan, yeah. like Conan scene and the first Conan mm-hmm. movie, there's like a big ass orgy. Um, uh, like it's kind of trying to do something like that. Um, that this is like a hedonistic. Uh, yeah, thing. that movie Troy has has the same type of thing. If I do that, yeah, it's the movie Troy. Uh, there's like another like orgy scene just like that that just has like it's it's mainly women with a few men. It's just like uh, it's just a of supposed to be like a of the time, just like a excess scene or whatever. Um. But yeah, so I didn't really take. But it is interesting to think about this kind of like if you look at the broader thing of what what these people's thing is, which is an entirely military uh, military society where everyone is born and and becomes a soldier. And if you like, you're saying if you're not born normal, quote unquote, you know, you're cast out. Uh, Genetically pure. They wouldn't say it yeah. that way, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so like that against essentially all cultures that are not them, but it's just shown in a, I guess because it's shown in a way where it's like, they're the, well, you could use this as a metaphor nowadays is like the, the attack of, of the fragile white ego. Uh, and then this is the 300 incels fighting back, but, (laughs) um, you could, yeah, you could totally look at it that way. And I, I I could totally see how, how that, why, and how this was has become adopted into that kind of propaganda stuff. Well, you, even, uh, I was thinking about the, some of the lines you brought up a line about like the free, like freedom and free men. And it's just like, yeah, that's all they, they love those now. words. Yeah. They love those yeah. fucking words. And they, they just use them in a different way than about slavery. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find the line about that Stelios said to Antonos at the, the fucking wall. I'm, I should have uh, found that, but, uh, but yeah, well, uh, they're t- you're talking about when they're like talking about like uh, keeping up with each other, like who's killing more. Yeah, like, and he, yeah, yeah. And he said something about bending over, and like if, like referring to taking it in the ass. And I don't know if that was like acknowledging that we're down with gay sex and we just like to joke about it because we're naked dudes. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure like in Greece of that time, like that was a, everybody a, fucked. A everybody common, fucked. Yeah, it was like the normal comedy. Well, yeah, because it'd be weird to I, say that they didn't because yeah, like or to make a gay joke because. Spartans were definitely just as gay as all the other Greeks. Could um, that just be? Oh yeah, or, yeah. I mean, they could just be making fun of themselves, type of thing. Yeah, um, I was just why I wanted to find the line, but it's not. I don't want to hold us up or anything on it. Um, 
But uh, honestly, look at the character designs. And even more than the Spartan outfits are the the Akkadian outfits, those uh, other Greeks that are helping them. Straight up BDSM. Straight (laughs) up BDSM gear. I was like, that is is it accurate to the time? Is it accurate to the comic? That's because it's like, oh, that's true. Is it's from the comic, but you know what um, I mean. So it's like I never, uh, I didn't it, see it, any frames with it, them in the in the comics. Because um, it, because uh, you, I feel like with something like this, you could you could apply context to things that aren't there, uh, because based on because it's based on a time period where things like that are normal, but it's in a movie. No, where I, I, I see it. They uh, Daxos wears a variation of the same thing in the comics. Daxos is not bald though. I think the baldness uh, in in his facial hair kind of add to the. He looks, looks like, like a, a leather daddy. He looks like a leather daddy a little bit. Um, I always thought he looked like the lead singer from Disturbed, which always made me laugh. He's short. He looks short though. Um, this also kind of reminds me of the that hard body, soft body theory because like the 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 fucking uh, Spartans are just ripped to shreds and uh like the Acadians are just like you know they they're fit but they aren't fucking shredded you know what i mean yeah. they don't have all yeah. eight packs um oh i thought that that was interesting to note um but yeah okay well so i think that the the gay stuff actually may be better than we than i initially thought but i think the the ultimately it's, it has a problem with the the racial aspect of it. When you make the Greeks yeah. just straight white and like, <laughs> and all have British accents and then you make yeah, all of that, the Persians, that, uh, other like, things. Butler's Scott, not Scottish. She's Scottish. Right? He's like Scottish. Yeah. Well, they at least uh, died. The, I don't, the, the UK hair's, accent. Yeah. He's Scottish. I think, uh, I like they. I think they at least, I don't know if his hair is naturally black, but they, you know, at least he has black curly ish hair. Um, yeah. His hair's a little straight, but it, it works. Um, but some of them, man, the straight up have brown, like light brown hair, British accents. The one guy has blonde skin. Like, has blonde highlights. Um, in the com, and the I looked ne- in the, the comic. Narrator. In the comics, they do not look like that. They all have black curly hair, um, beards. Uh, like their skin tones are darker. Also in the comics, like they don't look pale. They. Um, I did, I was curious if it was a Frank Miller thing, uh, for it was a movie thing um and it's definitely a movie thing and i think I, I, especially back then they were more concerned with having white people in all the movies rather than having them be uh accurate um cast like uh, ethnically accurate even beyond race because i mean like what is whiteness you know um yeah there's some people that say some things are and some things aren't um which is still fucking stupid um but i think today you'd probably want to maybe cast more eth- you know ethnically accurate p- actors um yeah for sure, for sure i think it might even be as simple as at the time it's just like we need this many jack dudes that look hot go oh that's absolutely what it is yeah. I'm like choosing to do the British, like there's so many movies to do. Like we're in a foreign land and instead of having them have the accent of that land, we're just yeah. going to make them British. So that it feels mm. different to, to, to us. And it's like mm. more close to Europe or something. Um, it honestly isn't in the, it wouldn't be so bad if the portrayal of the Persians, like as mon- like, like mystical, like occult, occultist monsters is what I would, I'm like, they talk about how they have science and all this other shit too, mm. but I don't know. It's very like, it gives a very like evil mystical vibe. Like, uh, does that, 
does that, how much of that falls on to the to Frank Miller though? I guess. Oh, it does. I, it does. I, I, Which I we, if you know anything about Frank Miller, you know that he had a he had a long a long time of his life identified as a Republican and uh, ultra conservative. He literally has a comic that came out after 9-11 that is about a superhero that hunts uh, terrorists, like Arab mm-hmm. terrorists, and it's very racist. Uh, they just yeah. overtly like this is you know we can talk about it. That is just there's no debate. There is no yeah. uh, like it's not just this is messy. There's elements that are problematic. It's just that is fucking was a racist comic, um, which is interesting. I think that also uh, Zack Snyder works best when he has good source material to pull from, and uh, especially like uh, One Piece. I think his problem with DC is that there's so many things to pull from, and then you mm-hmm. just end up cherry picking, and it ends up being like this weird, uh, incongruent highlight. Uh, whereas these are just one coherent story. The story's already good. The frames are already good. It's just you have to transpose this medium to to uh, film. And I think that's what his strength is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, well, when we talk about Watchmen, and Watchmen was created by Alan Moore, who is a known anarchist. Uh, so the difference uh, in the politics of these two films is apparent. And I think it really highlights that um, Zack Snyder isn't like meaning to be political. He's just meaning to do right by these works. Um, mm-hmm. or at least like, I don't even know if he fully understands the depth of some of the stuff. Um, or he only, maybe only does partially or whatever, but he's, his, his concern is being faithful and mm-hmm. translating the coolness that he doesn't want to lose any of the coolness in the translation. And yeah. I think, and like, that's why these two movies, I think, are his strongest because he, they are di- very direct translations. Um, and like this one yeah, is me- there. He, I think it's messy. I think he he doesn't have a grasp on some of the themes, and or like, or like maybe, um, like he wouldn't think about some of this stuff. And I think he said that. Like, uh, there's an interview I I read, and they're like, "What do you think about people that say that?" you have a lot of right wing messages in your films. And he said that he's a Democrat. Uh, he he's pro choice. He's women's rights. He's, um, w- you know, whatever. Um, but he's obviously not he, like he might, it kind of reminds me of the classic neoliberal Democrat where it's like, you know, you, you're not a racist. You're not, you vote Democrat. You, you're for people, you know, civil rights and whatnot, but you don't kind of fully grasp and understand some of the things when the rubber meets the road. Um, and when, and so like something accidentally, um, is kind of presented in a messy way and people kind of take from it. Um, they take the things that they like and manipulate it around and whatnot. And, uh, I think you really see it with sucker punch, uh, being Sucker Punch is definitely a problematic film, um, with the portrayals of female, the terrible female characters, you know, in that movie. Um, and uh, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Sucker Punch, but from what I've read online, you've never it's, seen it. it. No, it's, that I brought it up about doing it for this episode. Remember? Oh, uh, oh yeah, no way. The, uh, this that ain't the, coming here. I, well, I was re- when I was reading into just like the 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 stuff for this uh, a couple of days ago. The general consensus. On- Line is the director's cut is significantly better than the theatrical for that, but I don't, I haven't seen either. And uh, I didn't and know there was the director's cut for Sucker Punch. I, I all of his movies do because, like, you know, he makes long ass movies, so the studio cuts it down. You know, what? I think uh, I did see the the director's cut, and uh, it, yeah, it's just it's a very shallow concept. Um, it's very video game anime concept, and it just doesn't, 
uh, work. And it's like trying to deal with abuse. People, a big criticism of Zach is that he uses rape as a plot device in a lot of his films. And he does in both of these movies. Um, Lane Heedy gets uh, sexually assaulted in this film. And Miss Jupiter does in Watchmen. Um, and I think it's people, you know, you do it once, whatever, but like if you, if it becomes a trope that that's kind of lazy and problematic, um, well, with Watchmen though, isn't that, that whole scene, like it's part of the comic. Yeah. It's part of the comic. It's just, you know, I think I don't, I might even be in 300 also. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's something that people criticize him for. Um, and just like put, putting this like profile on him that his movies are skewed to the right or that he, mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot. But I, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think he as a person is conservative. I think that no, no. he likes cool. It's like, kind of like you, you know, I think that like you said, I was like, say, it is, is I mean, I think I, why I like Zack Snyder stuff so much is I, I get what he's going for. And, and, and I know that that doesn't like, I'm not the most intellectual person, but I'm not dumb by any means. But like, it's, I, I understand that it's just like what is meant to just be cool spectacle and is just a translation versus like him actually putting a message in it or something like that. Like, just the, like some uh, of these things uh, already have messages or already like you can't try, you can try yeah. to not have a message and there still be a message. You know what I mean? Like mm. things accidentally yeah, happen. Yeah. You just like, aren't thinking about, uh, about how a thing is being presented and uh oh i didn't even think about it like that you know that kind of stuff you say i literally hear you say that thing stuff all the time and that's okay like if your mind's not in that place that's not that's not a problem but i think to make art in the 21st century uh at least in this decade i think it's a necessary thing like uh, to know where it's important like where it matters because i think that is the like the thing it's like Sometimes it it isn't as it isn't a big deal. Some people time people go too far. You know they are too conser not conservative in terms of politics, but they're too conservative about being like maybe edgy or um, pushing boundaries. Um, and they and they don't go far enough. And it it really takes the right kind of eye uh, to know the difference. Um, you know, like this is an issue, but you know, or this is challenging, but this is good. Um, and it's edgy and, and like the people like comedians that bitch all day about, you know, cancel culture. I can't be funny anymore, but there's so many comedians that thrive in this and they're able to be edgy and they, you know, able to be dirty, able to swear, able to do whatever, but they aren't offensive. They're not punching down. They're not like, you know, othering, uh, or, you know, they're not othering, you know, minorities or, or whatever. Like there's just like simple, rules that not even rules but just like being considerate of other people's and cultures that uh doesn't mean that you can't like you know uh, even offend people or be dirty or whatever it's just like a fine it's a fine line and i think um and someone it, is always bound to be offended no matter what you know what i mean but like i i think uh, that there is a stand there is like a standard like in terms of you know like uh yeah uh, yeah people of color different sexualities different genders like that's pretty much it like punching down is the is like the rule of thumb like you ask yourself when you're creating something and you're making fun of somebody or you're making fun of a thing like am i punching down at people that are like like that are more oppressed than me that are having to deal with more shit than me as a as a white man or as a straight white man or whatever 
And that's like the rule of thumb. And I think that back in the day, you didn't have to do that. And it didn't matter. But also there was a lot more stories that like accidentally, you know, uh, maybe wasn't cool to somebody or something culturally like using stereotypes of certain cultures. Like that was the thing that we've had to get away from over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Am I making sense? I feel like I'm making no, sense. No, no, no. I get what you're, yeah, I get what you're saying. Right. Um, uh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to start to ramble because I like, uh, uh, I want to make sure that I'm making sense. I feel like sometimes if I'm not, I feel like I'm not understood. I'll just keep talking, talking and talking. Oh, I no. get what you mean. The uh, uh, we can move on from that though. Okay. Well, yeah, um, like, yeah. Feel free to respond, but yeah. The uh, well, I just uh, I was just agreeing. Like I I I personally believe that no matter what, there will all in today's kind of culture and societies, there's you can't please everybody, so to speak. But uh, but to what you were saying, agreeing, like, yeah, there's certain things that are like um, out of your lane. Like you could talk about Dave Chappelle right now. And why I don't understand why he won't just give up the whole trans thing, just move on from it. And you could have your normal career. You're uh, one of the legendary comedians, but you just, for some reason, feel the need to, to keep uh, making it a thing. And uh, and it's things like that that you have with comedians where they're just like they're stuck in. They want comedy to be how it was when they were at their peak. I guess is a way to look at it. I and mean, now I don't it's evolving know. and changing. Or does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something like that for sure. Um, I just like, I don't think that there, I don't know if I necessarily agree that there's always going to be somebody offended. I mean, maybe there's going to be people that are, um, wrongly offended about a thing or something like, that's what I mean. But like, there's, there is a line, like there, there is a line where it's on the viewer to like, you know, opt out of a thing that is not for them. That is triggering Mm -hmm. or something you can't account for every single thing, but there is just a standard. Like, you know, yeah, we're making jokes at the expense of women, making, you know, rape jokes, making jokes about people's race, stuff I've yeah. already said. Like, there are obvious things, uh, but you can't, like, account for every person with a specific kind of, you know, disability or every kind of whatever. Like, you're going to say something that is, like, like exactly, uh, yeah. ableist, like, is offensive to a certain type of disabled person or that is niche. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, you can't cover everything, but you just... Do the best you can, and uh, you just try not to punch down. And uh, I think that you're still able to be hilarious and edgy and and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. um, I I like a lot of edgy stuff. Um, and I I really uh, and then we're gonna talk about that with Watchmen uh, compared to this because I think that Watchmen is held up much better um, politically and socially than this film has. Um, but that's okay. I think this film is still good, and you'll understand that when I score it. Um, that just that is one thing that has aged poorly about it. The action is still some of the best action in a movie. It's still super stylized. It's still awesome. Like the the Spartans are awesome. The fucking um, like just the vibe and the energy, and it's just like fuck yeah. Um, but but there are things that are a little bit messy about it, and I think that that has made like tonally thematically on like a deeper level uh than the than the visuals and the surface level story and like those are the things that may that have not aged as well and um and and there are the exact things that kind of it gets used as a propaganda piece or something like that um but yeah i don't know what else i have to we can talk oh yeah you said you want to talk about the cast um gerard butler is is the best thing he's ever done I don't think he'll ever. Fantastic. 
I don't think it will ever be known as anything but the 300 guy to me. Um, this law-abiding citizen and the uh, has fallen series is all he has. Um, Michael Fassbender, I sub- I forgot was in this. That's what I want to talk about. Around. It's like I totally didn't know that Michael Fassbender was in this because he's yeah, before that- he kind of became a star. I didn't really start paying attention to who he was as a person, like existing until Prometheus. For it me, got it me was Inglorious Inglorious Bastards. Oh my God, that's oh that yeah. So I saw Prometheus, and then when going back to Inglorious Bastards, I was like, oh my God, it's Michael Fassbender. And then yeah, this, he steals I, the show. He's one of the show stealers in that movie. Yeah, so good. And uh, and he's uh, him being in this like right from the get go when it's like the they're all in their formation of the they're about to leave for the first time and. Uh, He's like the captain's like, all right, here are the men, and uh, and Michael Fassbender just comes like, we are with you, sire. It was just like it didn't even sound like him, and I was like, is that kind of him? And then you see him later on, it's like, oh my god, he was jacked for this shit because he's like yeah. not look like this in any other movie he's in. Um, yeah, so it's he, great. yeah, he's in it. That was wild. Um, Lena Headey plays the queen. Um, apparently, I see a note here that she has a much larger role in the film than she does in the comic book. So that's cool. I think they did try to uh, make sure that there was at least one uh, interesting female character because this story in the comics has, you know, zero. Um, so that was cool. Lane Headey is most known for being in Game of Thrones, but also she was in Dread, which we did on the podcast. Um, and then I want to point out Dominic West, who uh, is the bad politician, Spartan politician. Um, he apparently is not in the comic book. Um, but he, Dominic West is from the wire and everyone needs to see the wire. Every, anytime I get a wire, twin peaks and the wire, are like the two shows, when I see an actor from them, I have to make it known, uh, because they're my two favorite television shows ever. And Dominic West is like the lead, the main guy in the wire. Mm-hmm. And it's a great show. Um, yeah, I know I that say, I feel like his face is very familiar and I can't think of what I've seen him in cause I have not seen the wire. Uh yeah he's he's like in a bunch of stuff like he's done a bunch of shows he's done he's done movies um but uh, there's other people I recognize I know the dad the captain I know from things but his name's Vincent Reagan but I don't recognize him like the name from anything you probably saw him in Doctor Who or some shit uh we're all no no really crazy big name like Gerard Butler's the biggest name on here at the time and this was kind of a breakout role for him both uh, both of like. these movies I think are yeah this was a breakout role for him both of these movies are not they don't really have big name casts um which kind I like up and coming people television actors um and and whatnot British actors etc yeah I, I always like that because it's like it's not like uh oh I'm seeing Brad Pitt doing a character it's I am seeing this character and it's uh and I'm seeing a man like the actor as the character rather than seeing the actor as themselves playing a character does that make sense yeah no I, I do like unknowns a lot or I like just I like underutilized actors that are good that's always my thing that's why I like like a24 movies or streaming television shows because they always like pull these actors off the like C list and just like man this guy's great this lady's awesome and then then they have this renaissance love it um but yeah these movies are well casted uh I would say this movie is probably better casted than um Watchmen which uh, I actually do have some issues with Watchmen's cast believe it or not um, really? but this See, one, I, li- I like most of it 
there's a few there's a few characters um but this uh the acting is is all pretty good i mean you got a lot of british actors i did want to talk about um the performance for or i mean the character of uh xerxes um and what did you think about the choice to pitch down the voice to try to make him sound more like godly uh I at, so when I was younger, I thought that that was the actual dude's voice, and it like threw me off of just like Does this guy really sound like this. This is so whatever, whatever. Um, but I like it personally. I think it works. I it, think it, it really, really adds, adds to the that. vibe that they're like, yeah. This, but it, it makes so them feel like aliens. It makes them feel like, I mean, like because I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be like. Like the world was so much smaller then, and once you left your mm-hmm. your sphere, you know, your experience and cultures and people and technologies and you know warfare they've never experienced before and that's that is yeah. an element of the of the the film for sure just like i always think about when the grenade guys come show up and like yeah, this the wizards. Like, yeah like they call them wizards but they're just like grenadiers uh it's just science yeah. uh i think that was interesting um kind of indicating I, that they are more technologically advanced than the spartans the spartans mm-hmm. are literally naked they're not wearing armor except for their helmets and shields uh, all the Greeks are, and uh, I don't know. Thought that that was all pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, for, I, I. That was a good point because I didn't think of it that way. That uh, that should be my new phrase. Uh, but uh, I just assume because when the first time Xerxes meets Leonidas and he steps down off of his platform, uh, which I know it's slaves, but man, is that a, just a badass scene where your entire platform is being held up by all these people and then you just walk down them. It was super nuts looking. Oh, um, straight uh, out of the comics. The whole, all the cinematography yeah. is like frame, just comic frames. It's so sick. But the uh, but when you see that in that first wide shot, they Xerxes looks like a foot and a half taller than yeah, they make him look so really figured, tall. So I figured the deep voice is just like from you know like people with gigantism, like the bigger you are, the deeper your voice is, and uh, and so it just adds to that real like all powerful giant. It makes him feel kind of larger than life. Uh, yeah, sure. yeah, adds to like the like maybe he is a god, like maybe he is uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. A demigod. Like this, is, this is the next generation of human of evolution of humanity. Is, is this thing? All right, person. we're we're actually going pretty long on this, so I feel like maybe we should try to wrap it up. Is there any last uh, things you want to bring out about? Uh, perfect runtime, perfect pacing. I should or other than your, I get what your gripe in the morning is, but it's no nonstop awesomeness after that point. Yeah. That oh okay my god, it. it's five out of five. Once the battle, once the fight yeah. start to the end of the movie, it is just uh, oh, unlike other than maybe the. Uh, the like the polit- I don't know. I was gonna ask you how you felt about the political story with that involved the rape scene. Um, uh, like it, it, it was that interesting. Was it worth it? Did it add value well, to the film, or was I it just like a, might, something to to fill the the non fight time? I feel like it was good to give ourselves those little those palate cleanses. Uh-huh. Mo- moments could you have from some, the done something better? I guess. Um, but the no, because I mean, it gives it gives the queen something to do, uh, and it's meaningful because it is uh, she's actively trying to say like get the army mobilized to save her husband. Um, and at the same time, she also you know get rats or gets a snake out of from the like the midst of their government. Yeah, uh, so- I think it's the weakest part of the, other 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 than maybe the pre-war. I would say it's like the other weak part of the movie. Um, I understand why they did it because they wanted to have like I said a female character and storyline. Um, but, uh, especially when it involves sexual assault, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just, not like that is the reason, only reason why I just like, I don't know. It feels maybe a little cheap. 
and kind of underserved. Um, just like the bribing of the the Abe Lincoln looking guy, and then the then the and the wire guy. I don't know. I don't know exactly how I feel, but I know that it was not nearly. It was like fuck this shit. When is he? Get, I'm gonna check out until the fight comes back. Um, but I get that that's that's part of its design. All right. Any last final thoughts on 300? Uh, no, just if if you're the one person in the world who hasn't seen this movie, just if you want an action awesome movie, this is it. It's, it's something quick too. It's an easy watch. Feels like an hour and a half, but it's two hours. That's how how good of an easy watch it is. I've seen. I'm actually uh, just on the this wiki here about it, and I do see something like a, a quote from the AV Club, and it's arguing that it's like this movie presaged fascism uh, of the alt right, and that the Persian side is actually way more fun and cool looking because of their orgies and and. Uh, but it looks like way more fun than Sparta. And I don't know. I, I think maybe this person's just trying to apply, uh, apply some of the modern sensibilities to it. Uh, Cause like they do, uh, they do de- definitely mention that we're supposed to see the orgy pits as some sort of appalling gender fluid hell, but it looks more like a more pleasant place than anywhere in Sparta, which I, I definitely agree with. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. I, I I guess if you view it that way, um, and maybe add your own satire a little bit to the film, it works better. Um, there's not there's nothing really funny though in the film. Like there's a couple like line like jokes they make to each other or whatever, but it's yeah, it is not a funny Snide film. Comment. Watchmen, however, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about that. What are you giving three hundred? Um, it's a solid four. I agree. It is a. F- it is still a four. I could. I could give it a three and a half on the aging, but I think it's still really, really cool. Um, I think it's re- visually so amazing and just interesting. Um, and you just you have to maybe check some of those things, like brief brief yourself on some of those things, and you'll be fine. Um, you're not gonna like you know it's not. It's not, it's a good movie. It is a good movie, and it is visually just stunning. Uh, other yeah. than the Browns, but but uh, it it yeah, it's I dig it. A part of the aesthetic, so whatever that is worth to you. All yeah. right, well that is. Or we agreed on on three hundred, and now we're gonna talk about Watchmen. The Watchmen. Man, I have, I have to say, I've seen the director's cut infinitely more times. I've seen this movie at least ten times, and I've seen this the director's cut. I guess nine out of the 10 times because I didn't realize so, how much was cut from the theatrical. Yes. Yeah, so I'm very glad that you watched the real cut because the other, there are, are like four cuts of this movie. God had blessed you to try to figure out which one is which. Cause it, I guess three. Uh, well, like there's two different, I think the ultimate cut has like two different versions. Um, well, like the, the, like yeah, the comic, uh, like yeah, the fully the, fleshed yeah. comic book thing. And then there's one that's just mm. like, more shit than the director's cut, but it's not the full comic book thing, like the animated bits. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the it's it is yeah. There's one with all that. There's one that's all the extra bits minus the animated stuff, and then there's the director's cut, and then there's the theatrical. The theatrical. Cut. Um, uh, but uh, so the I, I'm just gonna get. To, I think I said this maybe at the end of last episode because we couldn't resist talking about it a little bit. Um, but I think the theatrical cut is easily the strongest cut. 
Um, I think that I think this movie is worse than it is when I watch the other cuts and then, um, and it's not like, I think if you're really into this movie and into this story that you're going to want to watch the other cuts cause you just like it. So you don't care about, Oh, this is kind of filler. Oh, this is mm-hmm. not necessary, but cool. Or especially with the comic book stuff it's literally just extra. Um, like, is not necessary for this film's plot? It's just extra, yeah. literally extra. And you just want more Watchmen. <laughs> Um, I loved this movie when it came out. I saw it in theaters. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I was obsessed with this movie. Did I get all of its themes? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> but then I, I read the comic, and then I think the comic, is it's like as much of this movie is actually the same to the comic. There are significant, there are like several things that are changed. For And honestly, people bitched about it, the changes at the time, but I would say that the changes are for the better from the comic. Uh, and that's, gonna I would be agree. De- that's going to be debate. I think it's the hot take. Um, because people were not happy about the changes back then, but I think they make the movie kind of flow. You don't have to ask as many questions. Um, but yes, the theatrical ar- cut is the best because it is I, not bloated. I got into an argument last year about the ending change. And I just could, there, there was, uh, the only mm. response that they could, the only argument they could give me was just that it's accurate to the source and I was like it doesn't make it better but, uh, yeah because but you got those kind of people that don't understand that the majority of people are going to come to see this movie are not going to know the source material yeah even some, even with the big superheroes they're drawing from like a hundred years of stories I don't know everything that they're drawing like I don't know it all mm. so like they're going to present something to me that I've never seen before and I can't like go uh oh better google if this was canon or not I used to be like that I honestly used to be like that. And I just understood that like you, not everything translates to movies and TV the way you you like. There are times God with video game movies. This is the worst where they do, they throw out the story and redo it. And it's so much worse and less interesting. Like that is a thing. And like, so I'm not trying to say it never happens, but you, you can't always just like, I think with the MCU, people have come to accept this a bit more. Um, because they, they make good changes sometimes, uh, or a lot of times. Um, but this, yeah, the changes were going to, we, I'm glad we addressed that right off the bat because they don't matter to us. Um, it's just about the film as it is. So I wanted to know, uh, since you've watched the director's cut mostly, do you agree that the theatrical cut is the strongest cut? It is, a, it is. It, it is paced better, but it is missing, in my opinion, a crucial scene that might not be necessary to the plot, but manages to add weight to some of the characters' motivation. Is uh, it the Hollis Mason scene? It is the Hollis Mason because scene. Because that, the the... that, that is the best scene that is cut. I, would... I have no idea how the fuck that the studio was like, get that out. Because like, that is and it so... Just, it like, you're already so almost to three weight. hours. You could have just added another five minutes to the movie. Yeah, I do agree that, on that one. When I, it... it get, it it gives uh what's his name uh the oh. night owl two uh so much more motivation to get back into the, the fucking cape and stuff you know what I mean instead of just having the nightmare. Uh, well, and like his motivation, just, like they do. I think they it is fine. They give us plenty of motivation for him without it. Um, and uh, I do. That is the one scene that if it were included, I wouldn't be upset about it. It's a pretty cool sequence. Um, but that's pretty much it. Um. I think that the I'd rather have it be snappier story because it's already so long, um, yeah. than it than like, it be uh than it, than have like those kind like those little extra things. 
I don't think yeah, it hurts I don't in mind. the movie, but I think that it is that is a, a movie that is a great scene. Yeah, I think, and honestly, I think it stands as one of the better scenes of the entire film too. Just having that, like every punch being that flashback for Hollis, it's just like it's such a tear jerking moment that you really are just this guy's clinging on to his glory days, and he and then in one fell swoop is just the killed by the modern age. I will say, uh, I don't know if stylistically it fits with the rest of the movie. It's a little more um, flashy and campy than like the other things that we saw. Like, uh, uh, like, I, I went on, and I don't want to spend any more time on this because it's not in the version we're reviewing. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I, I think I can understand why they cut it. Um, just style wise, it might not, it's a little more like it's sad because he die, he gets beat up and dies or whatever. Um, uh, but there's like a little bit of, uh, like with the flashback, like the seeing stars and the flashbacks and the, uh, I don't well, it's know. It's like, it's every time he punches one of the thugs, it flashes into the one of the bad guys he would fight back. Yeah, in the day. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So, I just, I, so, I don't know. I think it might, I think it's too much. I think it's extra, and I think I can understand why they cut it. Um, but that's fine. I think it's a good. I think it's a good scene. Um, all right. Well, for the movie that we're actually watching, um, I do. Th- yeah, like I said, I do think this is the strongest version because I think that it moves much better. Um, especially the first two hours, uh, the first two hours really fucking flew by for me. Um, like, uh, it was like, um, I was like, Oh, I knew that we've watched a lot of this movie, but I was just curious how much was left. Cause it felt like we were starting to get to the end and yeah, we were about at the two hour mark. Um, but the things that, uh, I wanted to look out for this time around were some of the aging things that we were talking about in the last movie. And I was concerned because Rorschach is lauded as a um, kind of an alt-right guy, uh, an alt-right person. He literally is an alt-right person in this co- in this world in comic. Um, he yeah, was alt-right everyone, before alt-right. Um, and, everyone's uh, a liberal whore. Yeah, he's homophobic. Yeah. Uh, he's homophobic. I didn't notice the possibly homosexual line. Uh, but I think I might have, we might have, I might have, no, I think it was when they go to the office and look through the files of, uh, of Ozymandias, but, uh, sorry, I'm jumping around. Uh, but Rorschach, that's who we got to start with because when I was young, like you said the same thing, this guy is so fucking cool and badass and just like, I love his, his fucking edgy monologues and I love, uh, I like his whole thing. Like he's he's like a noir detective, but he's like actually like a homeless, ma- crazy homeless man. Um, yeah, and uh, like, what not? He's Didn't, like the anti-hero version of Batman. Like, yeah, kind of. He's definitely in that kind of lane, though. He's definitely in the Batman lane, um, but he's poor and uh, yeah, he's uh, very conservative uh, and uh, homophobic apparently. And his mom is a prostitute, and so he has kind of weird issues about women and, like, sexuality um, and all that. Um, but so, yeah, his uh, monologue, we the opening one, which I thought was so cool when I was young, we laughed the entire time at all of his lines because they're so over-the-top silly. Like, silly, I'm so brooding. Uh, there's a specific line that's like an abattoir full 
of 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 special people is what he's talking about of oh, dead scream yeah of screaming of like dead uh r word people and yeah, he said screaming because he's talking about the uh, it, it, oh man yeah i know what you're talking about yeah it's like lines like that are like holy shit and like it's not that about the movie it's just like trying to explain that rorschach is a piece of fucking shit and not only is he a piece, he's like a piece of shit in his words, we see that he was murdering, he murdered criminals. Like he didn't, you know, he didn't, at first he yeah. send, you know, beat them up and, and tie them up for the police. But then he turned into straight fucking murderer. He's a wanted man. He just got out of prison. He yeah, is a hobo. He is homeless, uh, virtually homeless. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Um, he's a conservative conspiracy guy and he's extremely paranoid. He has mental illness and, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, a, a schizophrenic hobo, but he's one of the gang, <laughs> but he's one of the gang. Well, like, that's the whole thing is like, everyone's kind of, uh, they're all fucked up and they're all worse than they used to be. They're all more, they all have issues and like, and, and um, uh, before I get any further, I meant to start with this. The finest moment of Zack Snyder's career, the finest thing he's ever done, his magnum opus, isn't a film at all. It is the opening sequence of this film. It's the opening sequence of this movie. From the comedian fight all the way through the Bob Dylan song and uh, Times They Are Changing montage. Ah, Perfect. Perfection. Five, 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 five. Yeah. So rewatching this again, I, I was just like, Man, I could this, cry this, watching this, that. It was emotional. That, yeah. That opening fight scene, it never gets old. And I love that the, it sets the tone of this world where, yeah, it's a 67 year old man, but he's punching through fucking concrete. And that's one of the, that's something I wanted to talk about with 300. I forgot, but just like, I love that in his movies, like it's, it's not grounded in reality, but the people, the superheroes or whatever that he, propping up are almost in not not like in a godlike form but they're just in this elevated state that everything they do is so much more uh, uh strength and big and, and all that shit and it's just it, it makes it feel so much more like i i keep coming back to badass but it is um and then it calms down perfectly with the bob dylan song and you just get all backstory uh that got us to where we like or, or not backstory but just like the the differences between the timeline we are following from reality and um oh uh, yeah cool. the the timeline is really cool you kind of get the whole it kind of really sets up a lot of the history you get a lot of information um mm -hmm. about where we where we're at and like the the history with superheroes has been up to this point um and just like yeah it works really good with the song and it's just yeah it's edited really well um yeah i think it's the best the, specifically the the bob dylan part is the best fucking thing the, the opening fight is amazing um and just like all of it is very iconic uh to me um I, I will say the old man makeup is not great for jeffrey dean morgan nor is it great for miss jupiter later um yeah, no, her, hers is real bad both of those are not great his is only for a short time so it's not that big of a deal um but uh but yeah it, the opening is great rorschach's a piece of shit which i did not get as a kid I get that I maybe got that he was kind of bad, like he's an anti, he's an edgy anti-hero, but I didn't get like he's straight up a bad guy. 
and like he's like he's he's the one who solves this mystery he's but it's like through his own insane paranoia he's beating the shit out of cancer victims and uh like he's just a, a bad guy he's a bad guy and the weird thing about it is at the end he's the only voice of reason wanting to act like do the right the true right yes. thing yes at the end which makes it even weird like harder it really it's not really um so we were talking about this after the movie um so i wanted to compare rorschach to the riddler in the batman they are similar kind of incel characters like alt-right incel characters but i feel like with rorschach is the character and the characters in this movie are much more nuanced you know, it's not like they're, they're all bad guys and they're all good guys, you know, to, to one mm. perspective or another, to your level yeah. of, you know, whatever, purity or ha- what have you. But they've all done good things and they've all done bad things. Um, whereas, uh, and like, so Rorschach is a bad guy, but he is the one who kind of pushes this investigation, the one who figures out, gets to the bottom of everything and whatever. And he's, you know, the voice of reason in the end. And then he's the one who has to be silenced. Um, because he is on, you know, he will never compromise, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, whereas like the Riddler in the Batman is just, I'm like a school shooter stereotype. Like I'm a mastermind, like, like he's an incel, but he's like, so it's so blatant that it's like, they don't, they didn't want him to be a character that far right people lauded like the joke like yeah. the joker or yeah, american yeah. psycho american psycho is one of the or like the clockwork orange guy like these characters that are the per, like the protagonists in their stories i don't know if protagonist is the right word but like they are the main character in their the stories main, yeah. but they are bad people so just because somebody is the main character doesn't mean that you are supposed to identify with them travis bickle and taxi driver is another big one like he is the main character of the story but he is a bad guy um, and like, maybe he does good things. He literally, Travis Bickle literally does a good thing and the kind of good thing in the end of the movie by killing the pimp. But I, I don't think he's meant to be lauded. He's not meant to be, you know, a hero. He's not a hero. Um, those kinds of stories are my favorite kinds of stories because they are in nuance. Those characters are interesting to me, but interesting does not mean I want to be like them or I yeah, want yeah. to, um, I don't know. I think uh, the world should be like the way they think like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like the, I think there are fans of things that, that think something is cool like me and you do, but they don't have that wall, that barrier in them that differentiates, you know, an interesting, cool character from, um, from a piece of shit, you know, or like, just like, Oh no, this is a, someone I should be like, this is a yeah. role model to me. Yeah, I uh it's it's all weird. It's uh the whole I always think of for, for like the modern modern thing is just like the people who think Rick is the is the good guy in Rick and Morty type deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That seems to be the most relevant thing like uh and I've been getting it recently with Homelander and uh Oh yeah, and the oh, boys. yeah Homelander. The uh, non is like not that nuanced of a character. He's obviously yeah, bad. I, granted, I haven't seen season three, but I don't understand how anybody could perceive him as the good guy. Uh, he's got this weird obsessive mommy issue thing, and he's just fucking is just a, the biggest piece of shit in the world. He's oh man, just like the whole scene with the. All right, we're well, not gonna get in the boys, but yeah, yes, oh, like that. Like these are examples of these kinds of characters. 
and uh and that's a that is an issue and i don't want people to like i the batman is less interesting to me when the bad guy is like versus the joker in the dark knight um the dark knight um like there's the joker is much more nuanced is much more interesting is much more complex and complicated um than the riddler somehow even though like they're both murderous psychopaths um like i don't know but uh but yeah those are the kind of characters i think people gravitate to and it's just like a shame that i don't want like i don't want narratives to be sacrificed like you know we were talking about uh being mindful about your content and how you present things and whatever like but i don't want things interesting characters to have to be sacrificed because people can't understand the difference like the punisher it's like the yeah. ultimate the punisher is literally the ultimate example the classic example because of how many people like police officers that wear the t-shirts when they're not working yeah <laughs> oh man the um to having said that though the thomas jane punisher movie is sick all right watchmen watchmen anyways back yeah back on back on the watch uh yeah i don't know it's 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 weird especially because when you have uh across from him you have like the comedian storyline where it's like the uh, like he is a 99.9 percent piece of shit he's a worse has, piece of shit than rorschach yeah but then has this like change of heart in the last minute that no one else really knows about and then it's uh uh but like you still but at the same time he's he's put in these things where he's like these badass looking frames of the, like cinematically if i should like if you get what i'm saying but he's just doing the most fucked up shit the entire movie and i don't know if that is like having that being so much worse than what rorschach does makes rorschach seem even more like a good guy well, and then what about or, dr manhattan and ozymandias they're both pieces of shit too oh my god yeah, well yeah the <laughs> you could you could I, I you could argue that dr manhattan is a piece of shit based on this like the 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 ozymandias uh, setting him up, but still at the same time, like Rorschach's the only one in that room, that, like wanted to do the right thing. When it's just like Doctor well, Manhattan, just Doctor Manhattan's whole like falling out of like uh like he doesn't care about life. He's like life isn't yeah, any yeah. any different than death. It doesn't. You're the same matter number of particles. Like, he starts to get more detached from his humanity. So then he starts to view like he didn't see the point in saving lives. Uh, so he's not going to stop the end of the world because he doesn't see the point. Also, his relationship with his girlfriend is terrible. Uh, he's a terrible uh, partner and all that. And, like, there's just various levels of pieces of shit. And obviously, obviously, Ozymandias is meant to represent... If Rorschach is the uh, alt-right guy, Ozymandias is the neoliberal establishment Democrat who would sacrifice millions to save billions. And like, like, you're meant to question, you know, is he right? Is he wrong? I mean, obviously the answer is he's wrong, but uh, it's like trolley problem shit. You know, like, uh, would you switch and kill one person uh, to save three people? You know, would you kill one person you knew to save 10 people you didn't? And like these kinds of like trolley problem things, these are very popular in political uh, uh, pages. Um, but I, I really enjoy that. The only people that probably aren't pieces of shit are... Um, uh night owl night owl and uh silk specter 
and uh, but Night Owl has, has issues, uh, mental health issues, and kind of has an addiction to being a superhero and vigilante. They definitely get off on beating the shit out of people, which is a theme throughout. The BDSM theme comes up so many times, and I knew it did before, but I never like tied them together. There's the story about the villain who liked to be beat up and would say, punish me, punish me. That gets me yeah. every time. Uh, but also then there's the, um, when they sh- have the, re- the sexual assault scene, the, it um, uh, was not the red hood. What is his name? Hooded justice comes yeah, in and yeah. beats up uh, the comedian. He's like, Oh, is this what gets you off? And it's just a yeah, veiled yeah. reference to the comics because hooded justice was like uh, rumored to be a, a sadist uh, and like sexually get off on beating people up. Um, and there's just like, so there's this whole theme of, of fetishism, superhero fetishism of the costumes of the leather, of the leather, of the violence, of the danger. You know, I think she gets all horned up silk specter when she jumps out of the flaming building. She's like, Oh mm. shit, we got to fuck. We got to drop these yeah. people off and fuck. Someone um, play hallelujah. Um, but, uh, I, I really, really, I think all those themes are executed so well. Um, and I think, yeah, just all the, I love how it jumps around because it's kind of playing on Dr. Manhattan's perception of time, how he perceives time happening at once. Uh, you know, I see my future my past and, and my present all together. Um, yeah. I like all these themes are handled so fucking well. Um, I'll, I like the, the Billy Crudup is amazing as Dr. Manhattan. Jack Earl mm-hmm. Haley is, is like the best thing he's ever done for sure. Patrick Wilson and Jeffrey Dean Morgan are great. I will say, uh, Melon Ackerman is not the best. Um, she's not terrible though. I think she's serviceable for sure. Um, I only really know her from ch- the, the comedy show children's hospital outside of this, but I know I'm sure she's in other things. I think she might be in a Harold Kumar or something like that. Or like me. No, no, no. Wedding Crashers, one of those kind of movies. Um, uh, but I would say Matthew Good is not very good as uh, Ozymandias. It's like he's very bland. Um, I would say that those yeah. are my only two cast cast issues. I would say uh, wait, who was the? I would agree. I agree with you with Matthew Good on Adrian Fight. I was trying to uh, see who, the name you said who they played. Uh, who'd you say before Ozymandias? Um, uh, Melon before. Ackerman playing Silk Spectre. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Oh, it's at the top. Um, yeah, I I don't mind her. I don't think. Uh, I think I think she in the scenes that she is with Night Owl are good. Uh, but I don't care for her in the scenes with Doctor Manhattan. Uh, as much does that make sense? I guess. But the uh i did adrian uh Veidt is definitely the worst part of the the of the main ensemble i i think he's uh, he's not in the movie it, really that much um yeah it, but, i don't know if it's the accent or what but it just feels like there's never very flat. any yes yeah i was gonna say there's no emotion it's all monotone um which makes me like which i guess maybe is the points to not tell motivation but uh to be more of a surprise but i feel like you know it's him pretty much from the start of the movie or, or from, from the time where uh, uh, the cyanide capsule thing happens. Like that's at least when I'm like, I figured it out when I was younger. But um, the, Oh, I wanted to come back to the changes to the comics. Cause I'm reminded of it now, just looking at the cast and you brought up how 
Uh, the comedian kind of was like, like slightly super strong. I had like a level of super strength. So in the comics, the only person that has superpowers is Dr. Manhattan. The rest of them are just regular people that, you know, like comedian shoots people. Night Owl has gadgets. Rorschach's a detective, etc. Ozymandias is the smartest man in the world. Um, and and I don't even know what Silk Spectre's full deal is. I don't remember it, honestly, from the comics. Other than that, her mom is Miss Jupiter. Uh, Sally Jupiter. Um, but Ozymandias doesn't have powers. So in this, Ozymandias is super fast and is also a level of super strong. Um, yeah. And... Uh, and they the, in the comics he catches a bullet, but it's kind of more presented as like a Harry Houdini kind of like ma- magician sleight of hand. Like I'm very he, like he's a peak physical form for a regular human, and he's able to kind of do like a Harry Houdini thing to catch a bullet, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of trying to prove his own like super you know like he's super somehow. But yeah, Doctor Manhattan is the only god, and in this they there's like the three you know the tiers. Whereas, uh, you know, Rorschach, uh, Night Owl, and Silk Spectre are like regular people. They're just good at fighting. Um, and but whatnot. even them, uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre, on the, both the, the, when they fight the thug people and also in the jailbreak thing, they're like, they're, do, they're doing like the Batman v Superman, Batman kind of fighting where it's like, it's a regular guy, yeah, but he's just still just a little over the top strength beating the shit out of people. Well, it's like they're like super trained and super strong yeah, yeah. And, and what, like not like they're super trained, like they're peak mm. humans, you know, like exceptional yeah. people versus super people. I think yes. is that cause I, we used in D and D we talk about this. Like if you want to like uh, certain, certain RPGs, you're kind of playing a super person and some RPGs, you're more closer to a regular person or an exceptional person. Um, I kind of prefer games where you're more an exceptional person. It's not fun when you're a god. Um, but anyways, um, so I think that's interesting. And then the other big change is the ending, uh, which I think we'll talk about here in, in a second. Um, but uh, I don't know. I I didn't have an issue with them. I do think I think because people assume that a superhero movie has people with superpowers, I think they had to put a little more in than just Doctor Manhattan. Um, to kind of make it um, seem more like an Avengers kind of a world or like a Justice League kind of a world where they're, like there's different styles of super people, of heroes. Um, and like and Night Owl and Rorschach are supposed to be more like street-level hero, street heroes and they do more street-level stuff, whereas Dr. Manhattan is literally like doing military and, and like saving the world and, and interplanetary stuff. Um, so it's just not the same. They're not playing on, but I guess they used to all briefly be part of the same team. That's how they all know each other. Mm. Um, so, uh, I mean, f- honestly, I think I was so pleased with how well this is aged that I kind of like, uh, neg- maybe shut my brain off on what I didn't like about it because I really did like it. Um, uh, yeah, I was very pleased. Like I was so expecting that I would like, it was kind of like Starship Troopers where it's mm. like, I don't know, maybe not even like that, but it, like Starship Troopers keeps aging and keeps getting better. I think this movie also has aged well and it's content and, uh, it's, it's themes with conservatism and politics and like, and like the government and how the world's set up and, and like war and, and just big ideas and the end of the world and how humans are just kind of 
inevitably going to kill themselves and and what yeah, a lot of human nature talk in this movie that existentialism that is, yeah. um uh, a lot of this stuff i've never seen in a superhero like in comics in reading yes but i don't think correct me if i'm wrong but i don't know if there's ever been a superhero movie to this point that really engaged with those kinds of things like this movie did uh, no, i'm not sure i mean this is uh this is, is it almost feels like its own type of uh, superhero movie. And I was thinking about that when I was watching it, uh, where nothing else feels like this, uh, whether that's superhero or, or not. Like this has its own uh, like, I don't feel like you like nothing Marvel or DC now could do what this did, if that makes sense. Like it, it it's just, just hard like, to do that without an ice, like an isolated world. Like, yeah, it's you so can't unique. really do this connected. And that's the problem. I don't know. I think that's why they don't make movies like this anymore. I, I my favorite comic book movies are like, are from this era. Sin city is my favorite comic book movie. This one is one of my, one of my tops as well. Um, and I think that in 300 is a great one too. And like, there's something about these, this era, but they're all isolated worlds. Um, and, uh, this like, that's not the money franchises are where you make the money nowadays. You can't make Watchmen too. Um, you can't yeah, right. make 300 and they tried to make sequels of 300, but, um, it's just not going to be the same, uh, especially when you're adapting us like a specific thing. Um, I think a, a lot of these kind of changed, uh, these kinds of stories kind of changed to being television shows. Um, I think, you know, Preacher, uh, The Boys, um, those ones come right off the top of my head. Uh, The Sandman, I think it's just about to come out, which is a comic from around this era. Um, they, the Watchmen TV show. Yeah, the Watchmen TV show. They did make a sequel, actually. You know what? They did make a sequel. The Watchmen TV show... Is probably better than this movie is. Um, it's a really cool, it's, really cool. It's not a sequel to this movie. It's a sequel to the comics. Right? Yeah, sequel to the comics. Yeah, but uh, yeah. if you watch this movie, the only thing you need to know is the ending, the the real ending. The squid. The squid. So you, we can talk about the squid. So the, the ending of this, um, the Adrian Veidt's plan is to make the world think. That Doctor Manhattan is a, is turned rogue and is attacking humanity, so like he sets up these reactions in cities all over the world, and millions of people die. Um, in the comic, however, the machine that he makes is actually it it, it teleports monsters, aliens from another dimension, and they're gigantic into cities all over the world. And they destroy a bunch of stuff, and then whatever I don't know how he does it, but they then they go away, they die, and disintegrate. And it's supposed to just create this fear in aliens. It's supposed to unite because the whole I don't think we even said it. But the main plot of the movie has to do with the Cold War and like the Russia and the U.S. going to blow each other up off the map. And these these things are going to unite humanity against an enemy, a common enemy, uh, and, and the whatnot. So that's the point. And it works uh, from what we know. Um, but that I always thought that the big ass alien would just never have worked on screen. It would have been stupid. Like people would literally be like, this is stupid. This is dumb. I think so out of place. I think that the, the making Dr. Manhattan, the enemy in the end is a way more interesting ending. Yeah. It gives, uh, uh, it's it like him accepting it, but, yeah, the world knows who Dr. Manhattan is already, and the last time the world saw him was on that thing ra- raging out and disappearing uh, on that, that talk show thing. 
Um, and so it would make sense. It makes sense that like if he was losing his uh, uh, losing his humanity and everything at that point, why that he might just come to the conclusion of like we'll just fuck everybody. Like the uh, true peace will only happen if we're all dead. Uh, and it just seems so much more believable for that to be the thing and that it makes so much more sense. Everyone has like the profile or whatever on, on Dr. Manhattan that they're setting it up for. And, uh, uh, it, it feels justified. not justified, but like that ending feels like it's, uh, a justified ending based on the story and just where everything is going. Cause you have it, the one God in this world, why not pit him against or pit the world against him as the common enemy then? Because uh, it's a, it's something real, tangible. People understand he's been around for a while. Versus like the interdimensional thing, you could argue, you know, maybe it's just a one-time thing that happened. We don't know how it happened or whatever, but we need to be prepared for it. But that's not going to stop like people eventually having disagreements on that or whatever. And you could argue that with you could have those same disagreements on how to handle Doctor Manhattan between nations, but but still, at least you could have just him show up every so often just to keep that threat real and, and tangible. Yeah. Um I think yeah, I think it, it, you you couldn't really have a sequel though with that ending. Whereas I think with the I understand why they chose to to do a sequel to the comic um with the show. Uh, apparently Alan Moore the creator hates all of this. Doesn't yep. like doesn't like the movie, doesn't like uh, every comic book sequel, prequel, everything that they've tried to to add on to the mythos with, hate it. I also hate them. Um, and then the, he doesn't like the TV show. He doesn't like, uh, any, he's, he's asked that no more Watchmen be adapted. Um, his name is also not, he has to have his name removed from the credits. Of, of this it's only movie. The, the, the co-creator is the only one. And if you watch the opening credits, of Bob Dylan thing, it says, yep. It says, uh, based on Watchmen by co-creator Dave Gibbons. And that's it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's wild. That's wild. I think this movie did well, um, but just uh, Alan Moore is can, is a cantankerous guy, um, and is very protective of his works, which is uh, that part I do understand. Um, and a lot of like yeah, no. the comics that they made were all just seemed very cash grabby, um, especially Doomsday Clock. If you're familiar with that, it's like they integrate the, their world with um, the Superman regular DC world, so it's like them interacting with. Oh, um, Superman and like Superman's trying to stop Doctor Manhattan from doing something. I don't know. It's stupid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound that doesn't sound cool. <laughs> no, it sounds like cash grabby or just just like oh, it, people will buy this because they want more Watchmen. Um, like you, the whole the whole reason this works the way it does is because there's no true superheroes other than Doctor Manhattan. Like everyone, it, it, yeah. it loses its stakes and it's and everything if it's not just normal people that or have, have uh, mortality and and uh, what is a fallibility? They're not infallible? Or am I thinking of the wrong yeah. word? Um, um, I, I, but, uh, but regardless, movie has held up. Um, I will say it is a little long and I, I, I remember saying the first two hours I thought really went quick, but then the last hour felt like another two hours somehow to me. Um, Cause, yeah. Isn't the whole last hour just them, they find out it's, it's, it, it's the, at the two hour mark is them busting them out of Warshak out of jail. And then the last like 45 minutes is going to pyramid 
and then going to or going to Vite's office, finding out the pyramid, and then just it, the ice. Thing. There's multiple but scenes with Silk Spectre and uh, Doctor Manhattan having conversations. Um, oh, that's right. And yeah, the there is, uh, and then just yeah, the whole like final sequence in the Antarctic or whatever. Um, and then like, cause the, you know what? It's like cause the world ends, and then we just it just keeps kind of going, keeps kind of going. Then we have the scene with. Silk Spectre and uh, Miss Jupiter, you know, her mom at the end. And mm-hmm. like, we get a little bit of a, a an epilogue kind of, yeah. then we get the scene with the, the newspaper place. Like it just like keeps adding scenes. It's kind of honestly mm-hmm. very, very similar kind of feeling of an ending to everything everywhere all at once. Whereas like, I feel like we could have ended three endings ago, but we're going to yeah. just keep adding a couple scenes on. Um, uh, but I think it's fine. Like I'm not. I don't like. It wasn't awful or anything. It's just that was one critique I remember feeling like. I think I was so excited to watch this movie again. It was just hard for me to say what I didn't like about it. People didn't like. I remember the costume designs, but totally didn't understand that. Like Night Owl and especially Ozymandias's costume is supposed to be a reference to uh, the Joel Schumacher Batman yeah. films, especially yeah. the nipples on Ozymandias's costume. Um, like there's just a lot of, there's a lot of references to things and, um, all, like I said, all the politics, I think like, yeah, sure. Rorschach isn't maybe shit on quite as much by like, he gets shit on a bunch in the beginning where people talk about how he stinks and how he, (laughs) when the cops are like, he stinks like shit. (laughs) I was laughing. Um, like he, I don't know. He's cool. Uh, but he is a fucking weirdo. And just like all like Silk Spectre's like, you know, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> you should stay away from him. He's a wanted, they say it all the time. Like he's a wanted man. We should probably not be around him. Um, I don't know. Okay. He's the best. He is the thing about the movie. And he is the, like kind of the, like the, where, what you're going to see the movie for. Yeah. I mean, um, he's the narrator. He's the through line of the whole thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, what I wanted to say about the ending real quick was like the, the first time I ever watched this when I was younger, man, did it get like blow my mind the whole, do you think I would tell you my plot if I didn't already know it was like impossible to change? I started oh, this shit yeah, half an hour ago yeah. and then it just cuts and every, to everyone's already ago. dead. Yeah. The, and they're just fucked. Like they showed up way too late. They spent all their time getting to the Arctic. It didn't matter. It's like he knew you were coming, so he just already set it off. Like, as soon as he saw you were coming, he set it off. Like, that Um, was such a nice, that was such an awesome way to do, to to get rid of the villain monologue trope thing and just be like. I uh, liked it as well. uh, It was a cool twist. I remember being surprised by it again, and I knew that it was coming. Yeah, Um, it's like, holy fuck, he already killed it. He already did it, and he's just standing here not giving a shit. Like, oh, man. Yeah, Uh, I think. I think people criticized this before as being a not a, a being long and being not a good adaptation, and I think that it is a good apt adaptation. Um, I think yeah, that I, it's it, pretty faithful to other. You know, the changes are fine. Like uh, the the costuming is uh, of its time, but I don't think any of it's dated, especially when you understand like uh like the reference. Especially like yeah, it just it works for me. I think that it works on the same kind of level as. Starship Troopers does. Um, I I would I think I know I think we should probably wrap this up, but uh, I do think three hundred is better. Um, I think honestly I don't know what is better because I think this movie socially and politically has has aged much better. 
But I think yeah, I visually like and just as a film, maybe 300 like is better. I don't know. They're better for different reasons. Yeah, um, I was going to say 300 I feel like is like perfect pacing, great visuals, great action. And like this is great uh story, great depth and still great visual um but just not but having it be 2 2 hours and 43 minutes long. You know, it, it is more for a person who's down to sit for that and not be action the entire time. Like there's, you you have to be okay with just sitting and thinking and watching. You know, there's like, there's you know a I mean? there like the prison scene specifically is a fuckload of great action. action, great action, but it's not like 300 where it, you get 45 minutes of setup and then you get an hour and 15 minutes straight, which is over half the movie, just nonstop uh, shit happening. Yeah, 300 and, is definitely a, a a great action, just an all time great action film. Um, problems or not as a movie it is an all-time great um Mm. like uh it's a four for me still but like i think just what it did what it's done like it may not be as deep as the matrix which is why the matrix is a five and 300 is not um the matrix has much less flaw much less flaws is not really messy at all it's kind of clean as a whistle versus these but these are so just stylistically so interesting um, and then they they just draw from fantastic source material. Um, and I think when you give a shit about what you're adapt, this is an example of uh, why it is important to give a shit about what you're adapting. Be you know a fan because fans can truly draw out the the what makes those things kind of work. Yes. Um, and I understand that is why the DC movie fans so hang on his nuts because they see him as someone who's a good steward of adapting you know of, of properties and mm-hmm. adapting things um and uh i don't think he's done great job since but um but these these two films are are still hold up for me and i think these are these are why i anyone's ever considered him anything you know uh they're iconic regardless if people laud them in 100 years or 10 20 years from now I think doesn't matter because they are iconic of of the time, and mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of good stuff to get out of them. So I'm gonna. Agreed. What are you giving Watchmen? I am also giving it a four because I like it just as much, just in different ways. Yeah, I think I, I like mean, it. I'd... Even honestly, I like it better. But I think, I think as a, there's just something like 300 has a really nice runtime. It is just a really it's so it's really nice pacing once it gets going. It's a really easy watch. Where this is it is an easy watch for a while, but then it does, it just like it's any 3-hour movie you just hit that point where like, oh, I've yeah. I I feel like I've already watched a movie and we're still going. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but all right. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, I don't, I, I think we're all done here. Did we decide what we're going to do next episode of boom fest? I thought uh, I did. I thought we did, but for some reason I'm blanking on it. The was it, was it Catherine Bigelow? I thought she was one of the ones we wanted to do. We wanted to do, but I didn't th- I didn't think it was her that we picked. Uh, I don't know. I we think this no, I think this is the one we picked next, and then we didn't have anything after that. So let's do Catherine Bigelow. Let's do uh, Point Break in the Hurt Locker. Does that sound good? 
Oh, cool. I love the Hurt Locker. It's I've so never good. seen it, so... Did she, did she do Zero Dark Thirty, too? Oh, no, she did Zero Dark good. Thirty. Yeah. I mean, you can um, pick one of those, two. I haven't seen either. I was, I haven't seen Zero Dark Thirty, but I have seen the Hurt Locker. She's got a, she's gotten a, an Oscar for Hurt Locker. Yeah, for Hurt Locker is so good. And Jeremy Renner, don't... I'm, uh, I don't know if this is a hot take. I honestly don't care for him as an actor, but he's so good in this Um... All right, let's watch her locker. I I just because I've never seen it and it seems to be her best. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. All right, and then we point break. We got to do for the memes. That and it's uh, it's a good talking point of just like being a female director of that time to making an action movie like that is uh, is a good talking point. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and watching and all that. Uh, make sure you follow, subscribe, and like us on all the things. Uh, leave in reviews. Leave comments. Uh, that All that stuff helps us and get our name out there a little more. Um, and, yeah, we will see you next week. You can follow us on Best Boys Film Pod. You can follow me at Slob Thomas. You can follow him at, at Corey with a story with a K. Any, anything you got for the kids out there? No, nah, man. Just... Uh... Keep watching movies and keep watching us. All right. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Peace.